Hello, everyone. I can't believe I'm saying this, but this is the final episode of season one behind the scenes consumer product marketing. I want to give a huge thank you to everyone who has made this podcast possible. The Sharebird team, as well as all of you who tune in every week and reach out to share your feedback. Sharebird is a peer mentoring platform for product marketers, and there are so many other great resources on the site from AMAs to job opportunities and even more amazing podcasts so I highly suggest checking it out. Planning has already kicked off for season two and we have some incredible guests lined up already. With that being said, if you are interested in being on the show or have any feedback, please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or reach out to us at podcasts.sharebird.com. In our final episode of the season, I chat with Director of Product Marketing at Dropbox, Eileen Reyes. Eileen will give us a behind the scenes look at the launch of Dropbox Family and Dropbox Passwords, along with an insider scoop of how her product marketing team managed these two launches in tandem. For many product marketers out there, we're rarely managing just one product. More likely than not, we're managing multiple products and product launches, having to swivel chair between different teams. Being organizational and operational are key skill sets that separate good marketers from great ones. That is why I'm excited to bring you this episode today. So let's dive in and get a behind the scenes look. Hello, everyone. It's your host, Meredith Davis, here for another week of behind-the-scenes consumer product marketing brought to you by Sharebird. Today, we're going to get tips and insights on best practices when it comes to managing multiple product launches at once. Why? Well, one, it's a strength that all marketers need to progress in their careers. And two, because we're really talking to the company that pretty much invented the idea of organization, Dropbox. Dropbox is a cloud storage company focused on letting people access and collaborate on documents in the easiest way possible. Essentially, it's a place to keep work and life organized, especially over this past year where boundaries between work and life became blurrier than ever. Dropbox worked to build tools to manage the chaos to help customers focus on the things that matter most. Over this past year, COVID increased demand with people needing to lean more on digital tools and they had more time to organize their lives. That is why Dropbox launched both Dropbox Family and Dropbox Password to give us a behind the scenes look at Dropbox's recent launches of Dropbox Family and Dropbox Password and the insider scoop on how the product marketing team managed these two launches in tandem. I'm here with Eileen Reyes. Eileen is the director of product marketing at Dropbox Core leading a team of product marketers responsible for core Dropbox products that reach every individual from consumers to professionals to households and business teams. Eileen, it is so great to have you here. So excited to be here. Thank you. I am really excited to be chatting today. I keep trying to explain to both of my parents what the cloud is. And the best way that I can describe it is that it's this magical folder that stores and saves files all in one place. How would you describe the cloud to someone who completely has no idea what it is? 
I think you nailed it. I think that's actually a great description. <laughs> it's a place invisible to our eyes, but it's a place in the cloud that keeps everything safe and accessible so you can access it from any device. I think you really, you actually probably said it better than I did. <laughs> Magical folder. And so you have a beautiful family and I know that you probably had a ton of craziness over this past year with keeping your life organized. What has this past year been like for you being work from home, having kids and trying to just keep organized from a personal perspective and a business perspective? Oh man. Yeah. This year has been unlike any other. That is probably an understatement. Um, Yeah. I would say, you know, if I think back to a year ago, I remember the very beginning of the pandemic and we all left the office thinking, oh, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. (laughs) And, and I picked up my kids from schools, you know, same. We thought, okay, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We'll see you all soon. And little did we know how much our life would change. And yeah, in hindsight now we've all transitioned and adapted to this normal. But yeah, it was definitely a rough start in the beginning, juggling a home life right alongside work life, setting up a home office and a school office for my kids in their bedrooms, like all of the things. And, you know, that's just getting used to each other, being in the same space, constantly kind of interrupting and kind of stepping on one another's meetings and classroom and sessions, things like that. It's been quite an adjustment, but I think it's also brought us a lot closer together. Yeah. And I completely agree. I feel like I'll never have this time back with my family being all at home at once, but it definitely was hard to settle into. So you have actually been in many different aspects of marketing for over 15 years. And I actually love your journey into product marketing because it very much is similar to mine in that all of a sudden you realized that you could actually specialize in being a marketing generalist. Tell me about how you stumbled into this role and what you love about your role right now. Yeah, you totally nailed it. I've loved being a generalist over the years. I've been on the agency side, on the corporate side, a lot of small teams and companies wearing all sorts of hats across B2B and B2C. And when I was thinking about my next move about five years ago, I realized, okay, product marketing is a pretty generalist function. I had worked with product marketers. I kind of wore one of those hats in many of my previous jobs. And I was like, you know, that is probably the one that feels like the natural continuation of what I was doing, where I'll get a little bit more specialty, but still be that kind of hub that connects a lot of different functions that gets to balance that art and science. And that's the piece I always have loved about marketing. And I still get to do in product marketing with the slightly more focused effort around that deep subject matter expertise that I get to build around the products that we create and build and how we bring that to market. So yeah, I've really enjoyed being in product marketing. And I also have found that generalist skill set, that ability to kind of know other aspects of marketing just enough to work really well with those partner teams has also been a critical strength in the role. And now you've been at Dropbox for almost five years, which is like 20 years in tech time. (laughs) How have you seen the overall change in customer understanding and perception of the business and of cloud storage in general? Yeah, I would say the last year is probably the most dramatic of that change (laughs) as Mm -hmm. everybody was forced by things outside of our control. We're forced to move to uh, virtual work and to online tools to do their day-to-day jobs. So I would say the first few years, it was a lot of getting people more comfortable with the cloud, expanding some of our use cases and the sophistication of our product. But in the last year, I would say that the adoption and the just engagements that we 
have with our customers because every customer needs to use the cloud now in many aspects of their life and their work that they've had to learn a lot more, even if they were maybe less familiar with it in the past. There was a bit of an external forcing function that got them adopting the cloud. Right. And it's interesting because the Dropbox customer, to me, I think like really runs the gamut. How would you describe the core customer of Dropbox? Yeah, you totally said it right. We have quite a diverse customer base. We have our individuals that adopted Dropbox because we're a free solution. We were one of the first cloud storage companies out there, and it was a really great way to get information from point A to point B and access it anywhere. So we have a lot of those early adopters that then shared files with others and started that viral loop for us, and then they brought it to work. So it might've started as a school use case or a personal use case, and then they bring it into their workplace. And then we also have kind of that enterprise audience as well. So we definitely run the gamut. We have people who have both accounts. They have one for work, they have one for home, or they have one account that they have a mixed kind of use case for. So we have both B2C and B2B customers that use us for everything from photos to professional files. We know that Dropbox is used by Fortune 500 for Sundance films, for all sorts of things. So a lot of great use cases uh, across the board. And now let's talk about the use case of families. So in October, you launched Dropbox Family and around the same time, Dropbox Password. Take me back to even before launch when the team just started gathering insights on family. What was going on there? Yeah. So a lot of people, like I mentioned earlier, use Dropbox for both personal and work. And a lot of Dropbox recently has been focused more on that work side. Uh, And we recognize there's a lot more that we could also do to serve the needs of our customers in their personal lives. We had a hypothesis that this family use case was prevalent. We knew a lot of people in both our free product and our plus plan were using it to share files with their family members. And we thought we could serve them better with a more tailored solution. So we started with research like anything else. Okay, so you started with research. What methodologies did you start using at this point and why? Yeah, so the research methodologies we used were everything that you could imagine. So we analyzed our own data that we had internally. We did qualitative, we did quantitative research. We really did kind of the full spectrum of market research to really get a full picture of this audience. What do they care about? What are their pain points? We looked at market trends as well. And this was pre-pandemic. So, you know, this was in the state of the world where kids still went to school (laughs) and parents still went to work and maybe things were actually actually a little less complicated because they still had the analog solutions that they could fall on. But I think a lot has changed in the last year. But yeah, our original customer insights were grounded in a wide range of methodologies for research. And I could tell you a little bit about what we learned. Yes. And also, I know that market research is such a powerful tool for influencing product. And before we get into the details of what you learn, can you share a little bit about your thoughts behind the power of market research? Oh man. Yeah. Market research is just, it's the best tool we have in our toolkit. It is the way I start every project and we constantly leverage it throughout the process. It's great in setting that foundation for both us and our product partners. And then it's a really powerful tool for us to continue to iterate throughout the marketing development and then post-launch as well, since a product is never fully complete. So I think of market research as like the extension or the right 
right hand of the product marketing team and a critical partner that we couldn't do our job without. Awesome. So now walk me through the learnings that came out of this research. Yeah. So what we learned is that families live very complex lives. (laughs) As a mother of two young kids, this was, I just remember smiling in all of our research readouts because I was just like, oh, this is my life. (laughs) I could have told you that. (laughs) Yes. And then of course you don't want to assume you're the customer, but it definitely validated what I saw in my own day to day. So what we learned are households with kids are really concerned about keeping their life organized at home. There's a lot of aspects that are really challenging challenging for them. The security of digital information. There was a lot of data breaches in recent years, and it kind of makes people question, how can I store things safely and securely digitally? Maybe my analog methods are actually better, you know? So there is that security aspect. And then there's this increased complexity of life for families these days. You have soccer practice, you have school, you have all sorts of things. And how can me and my spouse keep each other connected on where to access important information like health records or documents that we might need to find when you're working with your tax accountant or something like that. So that mutual awareness was really important and finding access of critical information in an emergency. So those are really big pain points as well for households. And then third was around like information just being stored everywhere. (laughs) We have this great photo in our presentation about our customers of this bulletin board that I'm sure many of us had in our households where it's just like papers and pockets and and like all the forms, all the receipts, all the things that you get from school that you want to keep but then you can never find it when you actually need it. So that's how people were maintaining information in their household. It was in too many places. Maybe some of it made it into your phone or into your computer, but chances are they weren't. And so there was that kind of just crazy amount of information that was really hard for people who are managing a household to locate. So those three things, the security piece, the mutual awareness, just fragmented information were some really key pain points that led us to realize that we could actually be a good fit in addressing these directly. And then also we asked customers, would they actually want Dropbox to be providing a solution for them? And they overwhelmingly said yes, because unlike some of our competitors, we're a brand that they trust. And so we thought that was a great data point as well for us to try something new with this audience. Okay, so you got all these insights, you presented them to your stakeholders. How did you start rallying teams around this? And what was the next step for the marketing team? Yeah. So I wouldn't say that we started rallying after the insights. I would say they were right along with us on the journey from the very beginning. So product worked with us on this research. And so they were in the focus groups. They read the same reports. They saw the opportunity just at the same time as we did. So everybody was mutually excited about what the appetite could be with this audience for the solution that we were going to build. After we got alignment from our senior leaders that this was an initiative that we should continue working on, then it was getting to executional details. So the first step was really around pricing and packaging. And that required a whole nother round of research for us to hone in on what we wanted to do there. And from a pricing perspective, what do you think product marketing's role is in having a seat at the table from a pricing perspective? 
Yeah, I would say product marketing plays a really important role in pricing and packaging decisions. We have a pricing team at Dropbox and we worked really closely with them as well as strategic finance and product team to ultimately align on a recommendation. But just like any other project, we all sat together and brought our perspectives to the table to have those discussions. So what product marketing brought was competitive analysis. What does the landscape look like? How do we compare? What are they pricing at? And we also were in the weeds on some of the survey details. So how do we want to talk about this potential product and how should we include that in the survey so that we could understand the appetite for the the thing that we wanted to put on the market? So those were some more tactical examples of what product marketing contributed. But ultimately, we all were in a very lengthy discussion around what are the pros and cons of of the recommendation we want to put forward. And then ultimately, we all co-presented the recommendation to our senior leaders. And then how does pricing and packaging lead into messaging and positioning that you were working on. Yeah. So messaging and positioning brings it all together. So we pulled in those original market research insights about the customer needs and pain points that competitive analysis that we did, as well as what we knew product was building. And it just pulls it all together in one great little line or messaging framework, right? It's so funny when you think about product marketing and at the end of the day, the deliverable is a pithy line or a messaging framework that seems so simple. (laughs) Like, here's my three pillars of benefits and and reasons to believe. But, you know, all of that work that goes into it is really what makes it so compelling at the end of the day. And so (laughs) it is the journey that gets you to that ultimate result of a really strong positioning and messaging. And in talking about the journey, I mean, a lot of the messaging and positioning of Dropbox Family is really about staying connected, even if you're apart. And so you really leaned into the situation and the realities that people are living with today. How did you think through making sure that you called that out in your messaging? Yeah, I think when we started the family journey, again, this was pre-pandemic. So it was a very different environment from where we have been living for the past year. And I would say the past year has actually amplified all of these pain points. And so, yeah, it gave us all like the messaging resonated more in the current environment than it would have pre-pandemic, I think. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question exactly. No, it it totally did. So in talking about the pandemic and this recent year, Dropbox Family was supposed to launch, was kind of like you were in the midst of launching Dropbox Family when all this was going on. Organizationally and operationally, what was happening for you? (laughs) Oh, it was crazy. (laughs) So originally, if I rewind the clock to the very beginning of 2020, this plan was in place. We knew we were going to be launching family at some point in 2020. The product team was starting to build things. And then a few months later, we were working from home. Like we were all told to work from home. And then the engineering team recognized, oh man, this might change our launch schedule, right? Like we don't know how this will impact productivity. So maybe we need to like rethink our timeline here. So there was just a lot of changes in the plan last year as that was the first curveball. Then we had a lot of external events happening. We had the Black Lives Matter movement in the news and that was around the time that we were planning to do some announcements. And we didn't want to be in that news cycle because that's an important topic for us. And so we were like, okay, now what do we do with our timeline? So last year was definitely 
quite an obstacle course, navigating external events in ways that we never, ever would have anticipated, as well as our own internal challenges, right? No product timeline is ever totally smooth. So <laughs> there's always bumps in the road naturally. And then all of it was just even more complex given the external environment and our virtual way of working, which we all weren't used to at the time. And as a marketing leader, you're managing a team of product marketers. How are you relaying this message to them and helping to streamline while all this was going on? Yeah, I think my team is so incredibly strong. And so I think that makes a huge difference. We knew each other before we all were remote. And so we had a really strong base of relationship with one another and communication with one another. And I think that makes a huge difference. So we were constantly communicating in all sorts of ways, Slack, you know, emails on the phone, as things were changing, always keeping each other abreast of whatever the changes were, and just being really transparent across the board with everybody involved. So so that was really the best way for us to navigate the craziness of last year. <laughs> and during this, you had Dropbox family launching. You also had Dropbox passwords launching. Mm-hmm. How are you managing these two massive projects for the company with multiple different stakeholders? Yeah, it definitely was not easy. <laughs> It takes a village for sure. It was the effort of many, many people across Dropbox that made it happen. And like I said, communication was part of it. Structure, wherever and whenever we could apply it, we did. And we relied heavily on folks like program managers and yeah, to (laughs) lots of process when we had it and just transparency and communication when we didn't have a clear path forward. But it was definitely a lot of how can we be nimble? How can we navigate the next curveball and just staying really positive and having a great team that really just ultimately is working toward the shared goal is what got us through. And so these products were supposed to launch around spring, summertime, and they didn't end up being launched until around fall. What did launch actually look like at that point? Yeah, so we actually did a staggered launch. So we did a beta launch in the summer. So that was a little bit of the compromise that we ended up doing in 2020 in order to maintain some of that momentum while not completely compromising the launch plan. So we launched beta in the summertime and then we launched more broadly, like you said, towards the end of the year. So it was just changing in plans. That was maybe a reflection of us being nimble and kind of working through the challenges that faced us last year. So a big part of launching is obviously the go-to-market channel mix strategy. What are the right questions to be asking yourself to which channels to activate to reach your customers best? Yeah. When I think about our go-to-market strategy, generally speaking, you have to put yourself in your customer's shoes. And ideally you have some kind of insight, like the buyer's journey to guide you in that decision-making. And ultimately it's where can I be most relevant and where can I stand out? Where is my message going to be heard? And then how is that message going to resonate through content, through creative, through the storytelling piece that I think is so critical. We partner really heavily with our channel experts in our integrated marketing team to advise us on what that go-to-market campaign should look like. And typically we A-B test our way in as well. So there's always a little bit of maybe here's our big sky ideas, but how do we iterate our way towards what might be the best investment for the company? So now these products are launched and they're in the wild. What's been kind of the feedback so far and how have you been taking that feedback and starting to think through next iterations? 
So the launch plan initially for a family was really to capture that demand with our existing Dropbox audience. So like I said, we knew people within Dropbox's existing base were already using Dropbox in this kind of household setting. So how can we acquire some of those free users, or maybe they were already paying, but how can we get them onto a family plan where we thought they could see more value, they would retain longer because they would have this kind of shared experience with other people in their household. So that was where we started in kind of this existing base. And we still think there's quite a bit of opportunity there. And we also still see a lot of refinement in the feature set that we've launched so far. So there's still a lot more to come with family. I would say what we launched as many tech companies in the beginning is just kind of that MVP. Like what's that first product that will be compelling to get people in the door, but let's continue to add value to that product over time. And that's definitely what we're doing throughout the year beyond. Got it. While we're on the topic of the pandemic, I know that you mentioned your team did some really awesome top of funnel work. Would love to hear about that. Yeah. So not long after the pandemic started, we were brainstorming, what are some ways that we could get in the conversation, add some levity and some positivity into what felt like a really somber time for everyone. And we worked really closely with our brand team and our creative team who are magicians. And we came up with this great idea for these digital care packages. So they're basically folders of content. And we leveraged our great influencer network of authors, artists, chefs, musicians, to create content for us. And people gave us some amazing stuff. We had recipe books and coloring book templates and meditations and all sorts of really cool things that each of these great influencers offered up that you could share with your family and friends as a care package digitally. So it was a fun campaign that was, like I said, more top of funnel in driving just awareness of Dropbox in this personal use case and in the moment and what was going on. And it got some great pickup and we were really happy to do it. It warmed our heart to see people really enjoying the content that we were able to put out there. I love that. And I even feel that sometimes as marketers, we can get too templatized in what we know works and what we know produces the output that we want. That sometimes it's great to just experiment and it seems like it actually paid off in this case. Yeah, totally. It was a fun initiative. Like you said, it paid off in generating some awareness and some traffic to Dropbox and our products. In that vein, are there any other areas within marketing that are really intriguing to you right now that you are interested in exploring more of? Marketing is always evolving. It's all about people are always creating new content types and there's always new channels. And yeah, I think it's hard, honestly, to stay up to date on (laughs) what all of the the latest trends are. I mean, personally, I love to stay on top of things through podcasts like these. (laughs) I love shameless plug. (laughs) Yeah, shameless plug. But I love listening to things while I'm taking a walk or in my garden or something. It's I find it like the best time to absorb this kind of information. And then just, I read a lot of short form stuff too. So unfortunately I have two young kids. I don't have time to sit down and read some books, but like, I love, yeah, a lot of great content out there where you can kind of just keep an update about what's going on in the industry. Absolutely. And I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you some tips for those early in their product marketing careers, as you have been in the space for such a long time, you're such a leader in the space. What would be your first tip or suggestion for them? 
I think anybody entering any function, product marketing or otherwise, always just has to have a growth mindset. You just need to be able to learn. It doesn't matter how many years of experience you have. It doesn't matter if you're a CMO, you're right already. You, there's always something new. Like I said, marketing is constantly evolving. The way customers are consuming information changes so rapidly. So you always have to be able to learn from one another and be observing what's around you and see how that can apply into what you do. So I think that would be my first piece of advice to anybody that's entering product marketing. I know that one of the things that you really believe strongly in is responsibility without authority and having that authority, even if you are not a head of or a director level, how do you influence or how would you suggest that product marketers influence without necessarily that authority title? Yeah, I think it comes to interpersonal skills at the end of the day. There's a lot of empathy that we need to build with our partners. And through that, you get to know them, you get to know what motivates them, the challenges that face them. And then you can figure out, okay, this is how we can partner together. This is how we fit together to, again, meet this ultimate goal. But there's a lot of navigating people (laughs) that is required at all levels of an organization. And so it doesn't matter, like I said, if you're a leader or if you're new to the role, if you are really great at understanding people's motivations and navigating different personality types, you can find a way to influence without having some fancy title. (laughs) And with only a couple of minutes left, I wanted to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions. Are you ready? (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) So you've been at the company for almost five years now. What are you most excited for, for the future of Dropbox? I think we have a lot of really interesting things cooking. We have had creative individuals using Dropbox as a platform for as long as we've been around. And I would say there's so much more value we can offer that group in particular. And I'm really excited about some of the things that we have in the cooker for those folks. (laughs) I love it. Not giving away any secrets, I see. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So time and time again, we hear that product marketers are the voice of the customer. What does this mean to you and what does this look like in practice? Yeah, we are definitely the voice of the customer. Being the voice of the customer means we have to represent them consistently and honestly. We have to advocate on their behalf when things might be going sideways or when (laughs) decisions might be getting made that don't feel like they serve the customer very well. So that's kind of what I think of being the voice of the customer. And then in practice, it's really about that customer research that we do early in the beginning and throughout our process in marketing development. We always want to make sure that we're integrating customer touch points, whether it's in like message testing or user testing or through interviews more casually as we're refining our approach. So we do it early, we do it often. And then even post-launch, we always love to test things, A-B tests on web pages, for example, to consistently make sure that we are doing the best by our customers. And in the next five to 10 years, where do you see the future of product marketing? I think product marketing, because it's such a generalist field, it is a very influential field as well. So I think awareness and understanding of the role will continue to grow. I think I didn't even really fully understand it, even though I'd 
been in product marketing or around product marketing. And oftentimes I get a lot of questions from people, what is product marketing? And it's a very different answer depending on the company <laughs> and the company size. And I think a lot of that will change over time as product marketing just continues to gain visibility and influence at all kinds of organizations. And maybe more CMOs that we'll see out there will come from product marketing backgrounds. That's a wild guess, but. Let's hope. <laughs> I'm excited for it. <laughs> well, Eileen, this has been such a great episode. I'm so happy that you were available to join us. I know that there may be a few people who want to connect with you or follow you. If they're out there, where can they find you? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. You're welcome to follow me there. And I also know that the team is hiring. Is that true? Yes, we have a great role available for a director of product marketing on our new products team. So if that intrigued you, what I said earlier around tools for some of our creative professionals, then maybe that position's for you. All right, everyone, you heard it from her. If you are interested in learning more about Dropbox, definitely go follow Eileen or reach out about the potential roles on the marketing team. 